With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and thank you for joining us once again here on India on 99.94. I'm your host, Nikesh Shrigani, commentator, journalist and broadcaster based in the UK and my co-host, Sarah Waris from Wisden. Sarah, just before coming on this link to record our podcast today, uh, I saw a tweet from you uh, and I think uh, happy birthday wishes are in order. Happy birthday. Thank you, Nikesh. Older, not wiser. I won't ask your age. It's, it's quite rude, but it's fair to say you're, you're a little bit younger than me. We'll just, we'll just leave it as that, yeah. Inching towards 30. Inching towards 30, not out. Good, good not solid yet, score yeah. in, in the shortest <laughs> format of the game. Uh, depends uh, what the strike rate is and all that as well. But uh, anyway, enough about your age. I uh, hope you have uh, a lovely birthday uh, nonetheless. Uh, but we are here to discuss uh, the latest goings on in uh, Indian cricket. And uh, as we sit here, we are a couple of days away from India's tour of Zimbabwe starting. It's non-stop cricket for India and their white ball sides in particular. And uh, now the, the men are over in Zimbabwe preparing for that particular series down there. It's look, It's been a while since India went on a tour of Zimbabwe that actually meant something that that was, you know, all, all the big boys turned up for and and was seen as, as an even contest. I mean, Zimbabwe have had some great results over India over the years. Uh, you know, if you go down the history books as well, Zimbabwean cricket obviously has had its fair share of problems, as has the country and uh, the whole political scene over there. But look, as we look ahead to this men's series, it's it's a bit of a B team, a C team that India have sent over there. Of course, the, the main team, uh, particularly the T20 boys uh, out in, uh, in, in Asia, preparing for the Asia Cup, basically, in the UAE, which starts at uh, the end of August as well. What would you make of the whole Zimbabwe tour, the way it's been sort of shoehorned in to this season? Is, is this just the future of, of world cricket and, and what it's going to be like? You're going to have to field, you know, 30, 40 player squads and, and just deal with whatever comes your way. What would you make of the whole thing? Ah, I would just say it's the new normal. Uh, you will have to get accustomed to watching more and more B, B teams, if you say, playing the lesser, you know, the lesser competitive sides. Uh, like we saw in West Indies, obviously, Roy Sharma and Pant were back for one half of the series. Uh, but that is going to be the new normal. Uh, it will help in workload management. It will help in making the more competitive games even more competitive. And um, even like if India field an A team in Zimbabwe, we know it's going to be like a very even, con- um, not an even contest. So kind of this way you expect the series will be a little more competitive, which I think is not the worst move. So in the future, like if India plays a B team or even a C team against Bangladesh, you can expect more competitive games rather than them playing an A, a team against Zimbabwe. So, 
no no complaints on that front. It's got some nostalgic feels to it, this series, uh, when, when you look at some of the Zimbabwe versus India battles over the years. And look, India obviously got the upper hand if you look at the overall records and things like that. But in Zimbabwe itself, I mean, there was a time where Zimbabwe were causing problems for, for all sorts of teams around the world. I remember them beating England in a, a one-day international series. I think it was back at end of the end of the 90s, something like that. I was just a kid. I, I can't remember exactly which year it was. But, you know, they had Edo Brandes, who, who took a hat-trick against them, who was a chicken farmer. That was his, his profession. He wasn't a professional cricketer. He was just a guy who, who farmed chickens ran out for Zimbabwe every now and again uh, in international cricket and, and took a hat-trick against England and was part of that series win against the English back then. You, you go back to some of the battles they've had for uh, against India over the years as well. You know, you've got Andy Flower, Grant Flower, Heath Streak, Henry Alonga, Neil Johnson. You know, there's some fantastic cricketers that these guys have had uh, over so many years. And, and it's, it's a shame, isn't it, to see what has happened to the country uh, in the last couple of decades, and indeed the cricket as a result of that as well. And, and lots of young Zimbabwean cricketers not able to get the opportunities and the training and, and the, necessarily, uh, the necessary things required to, to make it to that next level. But also lots of young cricketers reaching their teens and, and deciding to leave for places like South Africa in order for a better life and, and more opportunities. It's, it's quite a sad state of affairs that their cricket finds itself in, isn't it? Yeah, so that's why I would say that this tour of India, uh, some might ask, is it really necessary? Like, will it um, help Zimbabwe? Like, will it help the Indian team? What will come of it? Like, will it benefit the Indian team as such? But in this, you have to see what it does to global cricket and what it does to Zimbabwe cricket. Um like if when India toured Australia last year, uh, this Cricket Australia earned as much as 300 million. So obviously Zimbabwe cricket is not going to earn that much. But even if they earn like the fraction, a minute fraction of that is going to do so much for not only the board, the players, their lifestyle, uh, but even the right down to the grassroots level. So um if you say that India touring Zimbabwe will not really help Indian cricket, it does a lot for Zimbabwe cricket, which I think needs to be applauded. Like the BCCI has been sending the team regularly. It's been six years since the last tour, uh, but they have been frequenting Zimbabwe, um, uh, visiting Zimbabwe f- uh, frequently. So um, I think it, that needs to be applauded. Yeah, and I suppose it's it's part of this whole thing that, you know, I put out a post about India's 75th anniversary of independence, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But I mentioned in there that um, it's it's come full circle almost, the, the cricketing world landscape uh, in terms of, look, 75 years ago, uh, and even in the decades that, that went after that, India were looked down on as a cricketing nation. They... They, you know, used to compete at home sometimes, but no one really enjoyed touring India. No one could be bothered to invite India for too many tours abroad to places like England and Australia. Yeah, there were the odd ones here and there every every once in a blue moon. 
now everybody's lining up begging to play India because India is at the power. It's the superpower in world cricket. It's basically the breadbasket. It's uh, without Indian cricket, world cricket would be uh, a much poorer proposition, uh, both financially and uh, you know commercially as well. Um, so you just look at that situation and with great power comes responsibility as well. And India doing their bit, I suppose, and, and we don't want to be patronising towards Zimbabwe cricket. I've just reeled off uh, some of the legends uh, that have played for them in the past and some of the great battles that they've had with uh, you know, some, some very strong teams over the years as well. But look, it's, it's not at the situation uh, that it was back then uh, right now. And they need help. They need money. They financially strap these, these cricket boards uh, in places like Zimbabwe and, and many other boards around the world, even if you look at countries like Sri Lanka, who, who are you know, not a minnow by any stretch of the imagination in terms of a cricketing nation, um, but just really struggling financially. Bangladesh Cricket Board as well isn't exactly flushed with money. Uh, the West Indies we've talked about over a number of years as well. So touring places like this on a regular basis, I suppose they're doing their bit as well. Yes, they might not always be able to send their best team, but the fact that India are there, it's an Indian men's team, with all the commercial aspects that come with that, the TV rights. And, and you're absolutely correct. Even if Zimbabwean cricket could earn a million dollars or, or a couple of million dollars out of this series, and, and they might even earn more than that. I don't know the exact figures. That is huge for a country like Zimbabwe uh, and a cricket board like theirs. Yeah, I agree. And um, on that note, you know, the Indian cricket BCCI has been criticised so much for being this money-churning entity with the IPL and all, and it has had its fair share of criticism. I'm not disagreeing on that. I'm not agreeing on that. Uh, but my point is, we also have, while we look at this, we also have to see over the years, they have done their bit, uh, whatever small it is, they have done their bit towards these poorer nations, so to say. Uh, they have given their... Um, home ground Afghanistan men's cricket team have their home ground in India so they have played home matches in Lucknow Greater Noida is their home ground currently Dehradun even a stadium in Delhi uh, India the first test match of Afghanistan India played almost a full strength side barring Virat Kohli Ajinkya Rahane was the captain so it was almost a full strength side uh, and after that the gesture of you know calling the um, Afghanistan team at the presentation and Rahane and team clicking a picture was with them was memorable. It was historic. Um, recently, the Indian cricket team travelled to South Africa despite the scare of the Omicron. Um, Graham Smith, they had no reason to. They could have easily cancelled that. But Graham Smith later thanked the BCCI saying that they could have lost a million dollars if more than a million dollars if India had not uh, gone to South Africa, it ended up being a, not the most memorable tour for an Indian. Uh, but if you see the larger picture, you have to credit them for doing this. Even in the last, um, they have gone to Zimbabwe four times since 2010. Uh, if you see England and Australia, like two other small countries from the big three, they have not visited Zimbabwe since 2004. It is due to political reasons. Uh, there's a lot of background. I won't really get into that. And I'm in no place to comment because India and Pakistan also don't play a lot of matches because of these political reasons. 
it would have been a dream to have Virat Kohli face against Shaheen Afridi in test matches. Not to be. Uh, I'm not criticizing CA or the ECB. Obviously, it's different political reasons. But India, BCCI have done their bit. And while there is criticism about the money and IPL and BCCI doesn't care, you also have to see uh, these things. Also, I remember that the uh, when Bangladesh played their first test match in India in 2017. So Anurag Thakur, who was the president then, had said that as a leading test-playing nation, it is BCCI's responsibility to give opportunity to every test-playing nation. Um, so, you know, it just shows that they have been doing their bit too. So that also needs to be um, seen and acknowledged, I would say. Yeah, because when you you know, read about the BCCI. And look, they, they quite rightly have received some bad press over the years for various things. And and every cricket board around the world has, has been criticised for for numerous things uh, over many years. And, and the BCCI is no different in that respect. But when you look at the Western press in particular in England and uh, the UK newspapers, uh, you know, and journalists over here, they tend to hammer the BCCI for everything. Any yeah. Any problem... That, that, is, that there is in international yeah. cricket, in world cricket, I blame the IPL or blame the BCCI. And, you know, we, to be honest, we saw people like David Gower doing that when uh, England yeah. were having problems uh, in the ashes and getting hammered down there. I mean, look, England get hammered in the ashes all the time down under. And, you know, they won that one series in 10 11. Um, and that's about it in living memory, to be honest. Um, so so it's, it's not a new thing, but it's quite trendy to blame the IPL. And not just the IPL, it's it's franchise cricket, but they always start with the IPL because without the IPL, there probably wouldn't be all these other competitions around the world as well, not not certainly on the scale that they are at the moment. So, yeah, it's quite a fashionable thing to, to hammer the BCCI, but look, they are doing some good stuff and this tour of Zimbabwe is a good example of that and, and inviting you know as many countries to play against them as possible. And uh, they have done that. Look, you know, their, their players' welfare needs to probably be looked at at some stage in the future because they're just playing non-stop cricket. Um, but look, the BCCI, they're not necessarily making loads of money out of Zimbabwe tours or probably yeah. nothing, actually. Um, but they're still sending sides out there and, and doing their bit. In terms of the actual playing side of things. I just had one point like on. you mentioned that it's fashionable to blame the IPL. Last year when England, uh, India didn't play the fifth test against England because they had coach tested uh, positive for COVID. Uh, it was almost like it's the IPL, it's just the IPL. Uh, maybe it was true the IPL was just four or five days uh, later but then India did return and full come um, like fulfilled their commitment, had a very bad outing in the fifth test match. They had no reason to probably, you know, go and play the fifth test. In India could have won the series and it would have been all jolly and yeah. But they yeah. returned, they played it and yeah. So yeah. they were, I think, unnecessarily criticized last year when they did return and fulfill their commitment. Yeah, look, I mean, there was a lot around that. You're right, the IPL was just around the corner over in the UAE. But um, yeah, there, there was COVID concern, genuine COVID concern within the camp. I think part of it was the fact that a lot of players had their partners Families. and young children yeah. with them as well. And, and that was the concern that will they be able to get back to either India or travel with them to the UAE? And, you know, 
not just that, but the immediate health concerns as well. You don't want young kids suffering uh, with COVID, although they are, you know, said to be more resilient. But it's it's besides the point. You know, they they just weren't comfortable with the whole situation. And uh, look, a decision was made. You're right. They returned, fulfilled that commitment, and and it wasn't just a one-off test. It was part of the series. They they didn't. To be fair, they didn't flex their muscle when they could have flexed their muscle. Yeah. In that case, couldn't they? They could have said, "Look, we're the BCCI. By default, we run world cricket. We are leading the we, series. Yeah, we're leading the series. That yeah. series is done." They could have said, "Look, we'll return next year. You can have your money for your test match and whatever." We'll still give you that test match in England where you can make money from ticket sales, TV rights, whatever. That'll be a one-off. This this series is done. We've won the series 2-1. And they didn't do that. They continued the series. They could have had legitimate reasons as well. Like, look, we've both got different captains, different coaches, Coaches, different players as well. There's a whole different mindsets, you know. It's so much had changed. It wasn't really a continuation of the series. It was weird. I was meant to cover the fifth test last year. I did cover it this year. I was commentating on it. It was weird. I'm not going to lie. It's the whole thing surrounding the test match, the build-up, you know, during the test match as well, how to describe the situation of what's going on in the game in the context of the series was just weird because it didn't feel like not a series. Not having Kohli as captain. Exactly. It's, it was just yeah. the whole thing was weird. You know, Curly not scoring any runs. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But you know what? It happened. Fair play to England, the way they've played uh, in their last four test matches uh, in this English summer. And we'll see how they go. But, you know, India on the field in Zimbabwe then with this, you know, second string side what do they hope to achieve is there anything for for these players to achieve on the field of course they're playing for india they they want to do well they want to get in contention for for bigger and better things are there any particular guys you're looking at deepak jahair we've mentioned before is is he probably the front runner from this current squad to maybe make a push for the t20 world cup yeah deepak jahair but more more uh... Importantly, I think uh, KL Rahul, uh, he's been made the captain. Dhawan was the captain. They removed him. They made uh, KL Rahul the captain, which was very weird. Uh, But it also shows that, you know, he's being groomed for the future. I don't really agree with that view. I somehow don't get captaincy vibes from him. He was not at his very best as captain uh, in the IPL also. India have lost all matches under him when he captained, I think, in South Africa. Uh, so I'm not really very... Like, it'll be a big litmus test for him. BCCI have taken away captaincy from Dhawan, uh, such, such a senior member, and given it to Rahul. Uh, so I think the f- it's a very uh, important tour for him, not only as a batter to get back into the groove. He's been out with injury for a long time but even to prove if you know he can be the next uh, captain after Rohit because I don't see Rohit Sharma continuing for very long I think probably 23 World Cup he's yeah he's getting on in years yeah he's getting on in years certainly as captain you know he's not the long-term solution um in terms of Kale Rahul though look he's he's going to be a shoo-in for the T20 World Cup squad yeah. I think we can probably say that right now. I mean, OK, not, nobody's guaranteed their place and players have stepped up in his abs- absence as well. And 
you know, there's there's a long list of people you could put in there, but they they love Kale Rahul. Rahul will be in there. He scores IPL runs. um, You know, look, he gets accused of stat padding and stuff like that. But his international record is good. Um, It's better than his IPL record in terms of strike rate, uh, as well as the runs as well. He churns out runs everywhere he goes in pretty much every format, but his strike rate is in the 140s in T20 internationals. Um, So that goes to show he takes it up a notch at international level. He'll be in there. You're right about the captaincy situation, though. I mean, look, there's no point in giving it to Shikha, though, and time and time again. Yes, he's the senior member of that particular squad, but how long is he going to be around for? He's probably only in the Indian setup right now with a view perhaps to the 2023 World Cup, ODI yeah. World Cup. And that'll be that. You won't see him in India colours after that, I wouldn't have thought, unless something absolutely dramatic happens. So, yeah, don't give it to him. Try and groom guys for the future. KL Rahul, I don't see the obsession with him like you. Um, yeah, he's young. He speaks good English. He's got a beard. Apart from that, what, you know, I mean, they're trying to get a Virat Kohli clone or something like that. He's certainly not got the passion that Kohli has. Uh, we saw that when mm-hmm. he first stepped in for that test match in South Africa. Um, yeah. and, and obviously India lost that one and went on to lose the series, even when Kohli did come back. And then the, the limited overs He did say India versus, Ele- oh, the country versus 11 guys. You'd never expected him to say that during the South Africa test matches. It was caught on stump mic when there was a very yeah. controversial LBW decision. He did go up and say that it's the entire country versus 11 guys. Yeah, but you he never looked expected like, he looked like you know, the kid on the playground at school yeah. who doesn't really speak up, but then you get so wound up, he'll come out with yeah. a comment. And then everyone will be in the corner laughing at him really behind his back because it's so out of character and it just doesn't look right or feel right. And that's kind of how it felt uh, when he did that. Okay, he did that. But that was more sort of taking it to a different level. It wasn't the passion that we've seen from Kohli over the years, taking wickets, geeing up his bowlers, his fielders, the crowd even. I know there wasn't a crowd in South Africa, but, you know, just just those sort of aspects. Um, I don't see the obsession. He's not done particularly... Well, as a captain, you know, he's he's been in decent teams in the IPL from time to yeah. time, you know, who've, who've had good matches and, and done well in certain situations. And he's done well as a player and, and as a batter at the top of the order. Um, but as a captain, he just doesn't inspire, does he? Uh, for me, a leader Absolutely. is somebody who you would follow out into war. In any situation, you would have their back. You would walk through a brick wall for them. That's what Virat Kohli was. He was that kind of leader. Rohit Sharma is in a different way. He's more friendly. He's more jokey. But tactically, he is brilliant. And when when players need it, he will bollock them, won't he? He'll he'll have words with players. He might not do it in the the same way or with the same, you know, inverted commas passion, you know, on the field as Virat Kohli. But there's no doubting he's passionate about the game and. And, you know, he, he knows what he's doing as a leader. People respect him, uh, not only as a batter, but as, as a senior member of that side. You go back, MS Stoney didn't do it outwardly as much, did he, like Kohli? But he was Captain Cool. He just had that stature about him. He's, he's the Tala, he's the boss. And, and that's how it's been for many years. You go back to Saurav Ganguly. You know, you, going back to all these great captains yeah. that India have had, 
in the past, and, and we're not even going back half the way, by the way. We go back to your Kapil Devs, your Tiger Pataudis, you know, your Gavaskars, anyone yeah. in the history. Mohamed Azaruddin for a time, you know, had that aura about him as well. Kale Rahul isn't of that mould, is he? He's, he's this modern cricketer who's sort of been brought up on the IPL and, and fair play to him. He's got the tattoos, he's got the beard, he looks good, he's got a good technique, he's, he's quite nice to watch when he's batting, you know, his shots and things like that. But is that enough? Is, is that enough leader? to be a leader? Also makes you question who is the next leader? There is Bumrah, I see, but then, you know, he'll be managed. Or no. Will he play all four matches? Will he play consistently? Uh, and he's been injured. He has had his um, issues with injuries. Who is the next captain? There is Pant. Again, Pant has the same issues as Rahul. He's not... I think he gets bogged down with pressure in the IPL. We've seen he... I don't think he's like lead from the front. I will set an example kind of a... He doesn't play his natural game sort of when he's the captain. He kind of thinks he has to take on the responsibility, kind of like Rahul also. Um, I think I've been very impressed with Hardik Pandya, but again, injuries, how, like, we'll just hope that it doesn't come back. Look, do they split the captaincy going yeah, forward? I think. Because that that's the way a lot of sides are doing it. England have done it. Ben Stokes is, the, you know, he's, he's the man in charge yeah. of the test side. I know he doesn't play ODIs now because he's recently retired, but even when he was appointed test captain and then Owen Morgan stepped down as white ball captain, they didn't just appoint Ben Stokes as captain of all formats. It was Joss Butler who is the next in line for the white ball stuff. Very different formats. Yes, you might have players playing across the different formats, but then do you have somebody like a Hardik Pandya as your white ball skipper? Because he's going to play. He's, he's going to, you know, if he's fit, he plays, right? That's 100% Definitely. now. He's, and he's yeah. bowling well. And then that was the key, wasn't it? If Hardik no Pandya is not bowling, then does, yeah, I don't want to jinx him, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. Is he seems to have done well with his fitness and, and he's got those issues sorted uh, for the foreseeable future. So perhaps he could be an option to lead the white ball sides. And then this is when Rohit Sharma eventually hangs up his uh, captaincy boots. So again, you know, more time for these guys to learn off the yeah. current captain uh, in these circumstances, learn about their own game, learn about their teammates, learn tactics, whatever it might be. There's There's time to grow into these roles, but they need to be groomed from now, don't they? They need to be given some sort of idea by management that, look, we're looking at you as a potential captain in the future. You've not got the job nailed on, but, you know, you are one of two or three guys we are looking at and we want to see that from you on the field. We want to see a leader and, you know, speak to us, speak to the skipper, learn new things, you know, uh, be in be management meetings. The group, yeah. Yeah, the leadership group. Uh, so that's what they want. And maybe somebody like Arishab could do it in test cricket because... You know, yeah, he's a brilliant white ball player as well, as we know. But they do have other options, don't they, with the gloves in white ball cricket. And even if he does play all three formats, you don't want to bog him down with being the leader of all three formats. So lead in test cricket because you are our test keeper. My only concern is, you know, he doesn't lose that crazy way of batting. And like in the yeah, IPL, I think it works in test cricket. Done. Yeah, you see, in the IPL, yeah. that's what I mean. In the white ball formats, just, yeah. don't give him captaincy. Tell him, look, you are Rishabh Pant, you do Rishabh Pant things. Whatever you feel is necessary, you do, yeah. right? You just play your game, we'll back you. 
And 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 that is that has been the brand of cricket that India have played recently in white ball cricket, hasn't it? It's been yeah. we just go for it. We're losing wickets, we keep going for it. Even Virat Kohli's brought into the you know brought into this idea that we just need to attack everything. He's not in, been in form. He could have scratched around against England in those white ball games and just tried to get himself a score somehow. But he didn't do that. He tried to play shots. He was out trying to attack balls. He probably shouldn't have been looking to attack, but. That's the mentality of the side. Even he bought into that, given his lack of form. So surely Rishabh Pant yeah. will do that. And then in Test cricket, you don't mind if he plays a bit more sensibly because he does that anyway. Even when he's not captain, he's he's matured enough in the last couple of years to know the situation. Yeah, he can go crazy. He can smash sixes left, right and centre if he needs to, if the platform is there, if that's the situation of the game. But if it's not, he can hang around as well. We've seen him do that that partnership with Jadeja in the fifth test against England yeah. uh, just this summer. You know, he, he can do that and then he can just switch the gears as well. So I think in test cricket, it might not be such a bad thing to groom him from now, give him a year or two to just work as a vice captain or or as just one of the leadership group because with Bumrah, look, Bumrah is an intelligent man. He's He'd probably be a good captain, but he's your premier fast bowler. You're trying to he protect him. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't play at home. So you try and protect him as much as you can as well. And you, you just don't want that burden on him. You know, India haven't had a fast bowler like Jasprit Bumrah probably ever. Um, yeah. And you just need to wrap him in cotton wool and say, look, you know, we'll use you when we need to, but you're not going to play all the games. And we just want you to concentrate on bowling fast and, and getting wickets. And that is your job don't necessarily want you to be a skipper or a vice captain and have to do press conferences and interviews and feel the pressure of the size performance every time you go out there on the field. Yes, he can yeah, still be I... part of the leadership group. Of course he can. And of course he is. He's the spearhead of the bowling attack. So he, he will always have an opinion. He will always be there making decisions with the captain. But, you know, Rishabh Bunt seems to me the obvious choice in test cricket, certainly. And then maybe you look at somebody like a Hardik Pandya in white ball cricket, it just I, I just don't know if they're going to go that way, though, if they're going to split the captaincy, because that was the whole issue with Virat Kohli, wasn't it? He wanted yeah. to give up in T20s. Then firstly, they said, no, we need a, a, a white ball captain. So one guy does all the white ball cricket, which, again, I don't get because it's different now. And now India have had so many captains. No one is regular. So that statement yeah. kind of I mean, made who is the sense. captain, right? Who is the captain? I mean, technically on paper is Rohit Sharma, but if you look at matches played and matches captained and all that, I don't know, Shikha Dhawan's probably up there as, as one of the leading contenders who's captained the most in the last 12 months. So it's ridiculous. But, you know, they, they play all formats all the time, everywhere around the world, back to back. It's impossible for for the same guys to to play in each series and and to lead as well. So, it look it'd be interesting to see how they go. Certainly in that series in Zimbabwe, and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue talking about that as and when uh, the talking points do come up uh, throughout that short series, and then of course look ahead to the Asia Cup as well. Uh, but we're going to have a quick word about uh, the Indian women's team now and uh, women's Test cricket, which has been a massive talking point. The ICC, or certain people at the ICC, have been talking recently about not seeing Test cricket really in the future of women's cricket. First, what do you make of those comments, which which came out a couple of weeks ago? But Test cricket isn't really in our plans for the future of women's cricket going forward. Discuss. 
and that is evident in their ftp which was announced today uh pakistan new zealand west indies have not played a test match the women's team have not played a test match since 2004 and in the upcoming ftp which is i think from uh i'm not really sure which i think it's for the next few years yeah um these countries don't play don't play any test match it's unfortunate but i'm not really against it because it's uh, almost like if you want to attract people to women's cricket probably doing it f- through these leagues or uh, through white ball cricket is the first step um uh, that's what i feel you get people it's almost like there's a women's ipl there uh, icc has uh, they've left a window for the women's ipl hopefully for next year uh, they have i think uh, yeah. so i think that's the step forward you first get in crowds you get in viewers hope you get the players attached uh, you get the fans attached to the players and probably once you have the fan base that's when you go forward and get in a test like test matches because if you start with test cricket right away four days there are phases there are dull moments and you might be like new watchers might not be very keen yeah, but you don't because, want your new watchers to that that's yeah. the thing right because there's i see exactly what you're saying and this is probably the thought process that that's taken place yeah but you know you look at competitions like the 100 in england and look i've been part of the commentary team for for the bbc for the 100 as well and and i've got some matches coming up too and it's fine it's it's cricket but the ecb at the start of this whole thing when people were being a little bit critical of it and why the need for a new format couldn't you just have a franchise t20 competition it was the the answers they were giving this is not for you it's not for people who who like cricket it's for it's for all the new people that hasn't really been the case i don't think i mean yes new people are getting into cricket and probably because of watching the 100 they probably would have got into cricket if they'd marketed a t20 competition in the same way you could argue as well but that argument that oh this is for the newbies this is what all new people they want short format well that's fine if if the icc are thinking that way regarding women's test matches as well who cares just just the majority of women's cricket that is played is white ball cricket and more and more it's t20 cricket as well so the shortest format internationally anyway and th- that that's how you get the the kids in or, or the young girls in or or even the young boys watching these games that's how you get them hooked into cricket and then you start selling them the test cricket but it's the players the players want to play test matches they're desperate to play test cricket their careers are short they see the men's test games and the men's test series and how dramatic they can be these are all professional cricketers all these women are professional cricketers they want to play test cricket they want to test themselves to to that extent and and, and at the highest yeah. level and that's what it is it's test cricket is called that for a reason they're the ones who want to play it they want to have multi format series you're probably going to have 132 t20s and and 68 odis and two test matches in the year But if those two test matches come as part of those two series where you're playing stupid amounts of T20s and, and ODIs, so be it. But have that points format, which we've seen India, Australia, and England use, and have that played across a series. And one of those matches yeah. won, 
which at the moment, Sarah, is four days, which that's ridiculous as well. That needs to be looked at. It should be five-day yeah. test matches uh, at a maximum. But, you know, four or five days out of a whole series and it's one match, you don't have to watch it if you don't want to. The players all want to play in it. It doesn't take, you know, once the, once the players are on tour anyway, you know, it doesn't take that much to stage a test match in. And we're not asking them to stage test matches at the MCG all the time or at Eden Gardens or at the Narendra Modi Stadium or at Lords. They're going to be in places like Milton Keynes or Canterbury or, you know, wherever, right? They're, they're not going to be in the big grounds. These grounds are crying out for international cricket. They, yeah. they make, you know, decent money from international cricket. I'll give you an example. Grace Road in Leicestershire, right? Leicestershire is one of the poorest counties in the current county setup in England. Hasn't always been the case. You know, they were quite successful in the late 90s and they've won. No, nobody's won more T20 domestic competitions than Leicestershire in England. But at the moment, they're having a bad run. They've had a bad decade or so and they've got no money. But they always get a women's international, an England international every summer, and that makes them a lot of money. So, you know, do it at smaller yeah. grounds where these grounds are grateful to have any kind of cricket, be it test cricket, ODIs, T20s, whatever, because it makes them money. It gives them a bit of prestige. You'll get different people coming to watch who don't get to see international cricket on their doorstep very often. And everyone's a winner, really. I just don't see the logic behind it. It's the, the ICC, the way they've sort of worded this um, with, you know, test cricket doesn't, it's not a big part of the future of women's yeah. cricket going forward. It's like we're asking them for, you know, India, England and Australia to play each other in, in five or six test series. You know, we're not asking for five or six tests in a series. We're asking for one you know, maybe more if if the appetite is there in the future. But at the moment, just one. And yeah, these three countries do it. But then what about your Pakistans? What about your New Zealand? You know, we're talking about New Zealand at the moment. Yeah, Pakistan is a developing side. And hopefully they'll get there on, on a similar level to the other sides we've spoken about. New Zealand are there or thereabouts. And, you know, they won the bronze at the Commonwealth Games in the T20 competition there. They beat England. They thrashed England in that bronze medal match. And yeah, England would probably, you know, weren't quite with it after being knocked out by India. But still, New Zealand have got some world-class players who are probably going to go an entire career without ever playing one test match. That's ridiculous yeah. to me. Even someone like Mithali Raj, over almost a career of 20 years, she played 12 matches, which to some laymen might be like, only 12 matches, but 12 matches like in the women's game. For India as well, back it, then. Yeah, for India, it's like a decent amount. Uh, but it's still 12 test matches, only 12 test matches. So yeah, you do have a point that I'm not against women's test matches. I would love it. Last year, India-England test match was spectacular. Obviously, the debates of having one extra day started again. Starts every time there is a four-day test match which is drawn. And I think probably uh, because the test matches are also four days and they are hesitant to make it five days, we see lesser results. And if like you look back and you're like, okay, this match is a draw, this match is a draw. And maybe the ICC is like all women test matches are draw. So it doesn't get a lot of... Uh, 
you know, like what's the point if all matches end up in being draws? So the answer to that is you just make it five days. If you want a result, you make it five days. Um, so I think ICC needs to take the like step ahead in that, but which has not happened this time. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, look, hopefully that that will change. And um, if if the appetite is still there from the players going forward, then, you know, hopefully player power can have a part to play in that. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. Have you seen the Mitaliraj film, Shabash Mithu? No, uh, I haven't. It on, didn't uh, get a lot of good reviews. It didn't? So I was quite, I, was, I found it quite interesting. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't to the same level of uh, MS Dhoni, the untold story. I thought that was mm. probably my favourite cricket biopic uh, of, of recent times. But uh, no, it was all right. It was good. I thought Papsi um, Banu was good in it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, look, there were some things which you wouldn't quite know. And, and if you, you know, if you're sitting here listening to our podcast and, you're quite young and you don't really know what all the fuss is about women's cricket, you know, having to fight for everything. You just go back and watch that and look at how women's cricketers, international cricketers had to suffer probably only 10 years ago, even less than 10 years ago. The, the amount of they're suffering still and, and they still, they're still fighting. Yeah, you're they're right. Still they're, they're still yeah. fighting for their place. <laughs> it's slowly getting there. Um, and look, people know who Mitali Raj is now if they're a cricket fan, generally. Um, they, they would know who Mitali Raj is. They'll know who maybe Elise Perry is because of you know the promotion that she's had throughout her career. They might know who Heather Knight is as the England captain and, and various others. You know, the Aussies are very well known back uh, in, in Australia. Uh, the England players are getting more and more known, particularly by sports fans uh, in England, uh, in India, I don't quite know the situation. Does does everybody know who Smithy and Harman Preet and I think people do Shafali know Smithy, Shafali, Harman Preet. Yeah, yeah. Diti Diti Sharma, three. you know, and they, they would have known Jalan Goswami and Mithali Raj. Jemima, Jemima of course. I think, yeah. Even if they don't know she's a cricketer, they'll follow her on social media yeah. and see all the crazy Dance stuff moves, that she gets up to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is brilliant. You know, look, people know who, who they are now. People didn't know who they were uh, just a few years ago. So, so that, that's, yeah. that's great, you know, in its own respect. And the more televised coverage they get um, and the more times that they can play in these big ICC tournaments and, and have, have a window for that. It's almost like, you know, strange or coincidental that uh, Shafali, Harmanpreet and Smriti Mandana have... Uh, jersey numbers which very legendary male cricketers men's cricketers from India have worn so Shafali is 17 which is Rishabh Pant and Smriti is 18 which is obviously Kohli Harman Preet is 7 which is Dhoni not comparing but just a very interesting you know coincidence when you said legendary <laughs> I mean they, they are well Rishabh Pant's on his way there but the, yeah. the other two certainly um, legendary. Oh, I was thinking yeah. of like going back a few years. Like, is there a ten for Tendulkar or you know a forty-five for Sewag or something like that? I was going. You're going a little bit further back in my mind, but you know, look, it's it's a good way to brand yourselves as well, isn't it? With with the numbers now on the backs of shirts. Um, but look, hopefully they'll get more and more exposure, and uh, the the climate does change in terms of women's Test matches. Uh, just on a final note, I've wished you happy birthday. Should be Thank wishing India again. happy birthday as well, shouldn't I? On yeah. you know, seventy-five years of independence, um, 
fantastic occasion uh, for everybody in India. I suppose you've been seeing all the flags flying for days and and weeks over there. What, were there any big celebrations where where you were? Were there, were there fireworks allowed? Uh, I, I don't know what the fireworks situation is in India. Do they are they banned fireworks? Yeah, fireworks are. It's not banned. It's fireworks Frowned are everywhere, upon. all the time. No, all the time. No? Any occasion, okay. India wins a match, there are fire. India win a match against Zimbabwe, there'll be firecrackers. Well, you so see it's... all the. Yeah, well, that that's good to know. But I mean, obviously, I, I don't quite know about all the pollution and everything. But you see cricketers, don't you, and Bollywood stars, just every Diwali, yeah. saying, "Have a safe Diwali, no fireworks." I mean, here in the UK, you know, any excuse, Diwali. Bonfire night, New Year's Eve, um, particularly on Diwali in a place like Leicester, where I am, big Indian community, all night the fireworks will just be going off and it's it's a great occasion. So that, that's good to hear. So there were fireworks there for the independence um, and, and great celebrations as well, I would imagine. Um, it's been some journey, hasn't it, as a country, as a cricketing nation as well. Mm-hmm. You look back to, you know, the the great captains of the past, the great teams of the past. Uh, yes, India had their first test series in 1932 and that was CK Naidu. And, but, you know, 1947 was India as an independent nation. Nobody really wanted to play them back then, did they? They, they used to get very few international uh, matches played uh, against them. You know, there, there was the odd tour and, and things like that. And it was difficult to tour countries like England and Australia back then with all the travel as well, going on ships and and whatnot. Uh, But there's been so many great moments over the years. I mean, you know, look, the the time where India probably really arrived on the world stage and showed that we can compete properly against good teams, I would say was 1971, winning in the West Indies and winning in England, both series 1-0, both under Ajit Wadhikar's captaincy. and, And what a great year that was for Indian cricket, you could argue the West Indies didn't have the battery of pace bowlers that they uh, had in in the years after that, but there was still a formidable side on on home turf, and to go there and beat them uh, with the side we had, and, and Sunil Gavaskar on debut with uh, you know breaking records left, right, and centre, basically batting without a helmet on uncovered pitches, and then the four spinners uh, sort of bowling India to victory at the Oval in 1971 as, as they won that series. So that that was probably the first moment they showed a glimpse of you know we can be a really good side if if we get our shit together basically is is you know was always the problem wasn't it can we get our shit together as a side put all our politics aside can the board come together in terms of selection can we just pick our best players and, and go and play and pick a good captain and just see how we go and that appears to be what they did on those couple of occasions and look, the eighties, the mid eighties. I, I, you know, I wasn't born when they won the nineteen eighty three World Cup. Neither were you, but that was the landmark moment in terms of ODI cricket, just like two thousand and seven was with T Twenty cricket and, and winning that World Cup. Um, you know, Kapil Dev, those great moments on the balcony there at Lords, and then they won the World Championship of cricket in eighty five, won a Test series yeah. in England in eighty six. I mean, the eighties were pretty good. And then a certain young Sachin Ramesh Tendulkar appeared uh, in 1989 just to finish that decade off uh, as well and uh, take over the reins as India's premier batter for for many, many years to come. I mean, look, through the 90s, you know, I've got so many memories growing up in the 90s of of Indian cricket, particularly sort of towards the the mid and late 90s. 
into the 2000s, the, the victory in Pakistan in 2004 was great, the 2011 World Cup, you know, winning a test series in England in 2007 during my lifetime was oh. fantastic. I mean, what, what are the big standout moments for you from, uh, from India as an independent cricketing nation? I think the 2007 test series, I used to listen to commentary back then. I didn't have cable back then. So I think that was my early initiation into cricket. 2007 test series, India won after the 2007 uh, World Cup disaster. And I think that was the period when I was getting uh, hooked to cricket also. So that test series obviously was very uh, memorable. Then there was the 2007 uh, World Cup, which you said. Uh, There was the Perth test also, which uh, a few months later, before that, it was all the Sydney drama with Ricky Ponting and, you know, signaling out Steve Buckner, uh, Andrew Simons, Harbhajan Singh. Steve Buckner is like a a swear word in India, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's not mention Steve Buckner and Sachin Tendulkar. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, there was the Perth Test match, which, you know, come come from behind win. After that, it was Test cricket was kind of a lull after that, 0-8 thrashing uh, under MS Dhoni. But you know how after that, how they've come back, Test cricket, Virat Kohli, just bringing not only Indian Test cricket scene alive, but overall uh, world cricket test like world cricket I, I would say world is more aware to test cricket probably because of Virat Kohli uh, you know the passion he's the one who gets in the crowds and he has always said that he's so passionate about test cricket uh, the gap win in Australia like Brisbane was I think the finest wins ever in the test circuit the whole series to be honest i mean i I mentioned on the last podcast 2001 australia i mean that that's probably my favorite memory of ever watching india in in my entire lifetime just because of how young i was and the the whole circumstance of getting up in the middle of the night and watching this before school every day and yeah you know having to miss the final session and then catch up on the highlights and and all that kind of stuff but every every Indian cricket fan for for years and years after that said that is the greatest Test series of all yeah. time. That's changed now, isn't it? After after the win at the Gabba and and winning down under all with out. And yeah, then thirty six all out. No Kohli, no Bumrah, no Ashwin, yep. no Jadeja. Like they are no one. I mean, you know, Tina Trajan and Washington Sundar, and I mean, with the greatest respect to these guys, you're not going to pick them to tour Australia in a Test match team, are you? I mean, and then the stories behind it. Look, Mohamed Siraj, his dad passed away, you know, quite recently. They were all at the IPL in the bubble before that as well in the UAE. And the whole COVID scene. Yeah, it was the first. They were all on lockdown, weren't they? After COVID. And Natarajan whole, was know, there, yeah. you know, his his daughter, he hadn't met his daughter, his daughter for months because yeah. she was born while he was in the bubble in the IPL. He thought he'll, you know, go over to Australia, play some T20 games and then go back to India and, and see her. And it'd only be a couple of weeks. Ended up being months because he was retained as a net bowler for the whole tour. <laughs> and then finally, 
had to get his opportunity. I mean, they had no choice, did they? Well, they did have a choice. They could have played Guldeep, who's the only man. Kartik Diagi was, there, Kartik was there, but in, in terms of the yeah. squad, like they could have picked Diagi yeah. or Natarajan. And at the time, yeah, Diagi was Diagi can be expensive, can't he? Natarajan can at yeah. least keep it tight, wicket to wicket. So it's pretty much the only option they had in terms of a seam bowler, just get him in there. Ended up winning the test match um, with the team and and what great scenes. I mean, that's got to be India's greatest ever test series victory, hasn't it? I mean, we've not seen all the test victories, obviously, over the years. We weren't born. But even just reading about them, I mean, the the whole drama, the circumstances, you're down to basically a C team. You know, half of your side is like C, D choice players. Almost, right? Yeah. When's is Tina Trajan ever going to play Test cricket again? I don't think so. That's yeah, not going to happen, so. is it? And especially after that, you know, Ashwin's YouTube videos and the whole like he's recounting every moment and everyone. He himself said that we had Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, Plan D to say. I think to save the Test match, but then Rishabh Pant had his own plan. So yeah. you know, it was just like. What is happening? But whatever happened, it was finally made staying up for a test series brilliant. in Australia worth it. And right. on that like last bit, I'd say, yeah. making it about myself again, the Lord's test last year was on 16th August, the best birthday gift that I could have probably asked for. Brilliant. What a day to do it and a day after uh, the anniversary of independence yeah. as well. And uh, I got to commentate on the final wicket, uh, Mohamed oh, wow. Siraj, bowling Jimmy Anderson there and, and that famous picture which was doing the rounds as well of Anderson just still trying to play his forward defensive while everyone's celebrating around him and the wickets are all over the place. Absolutely fantastic scenes. not his last test match. Um, Kohli's last test series, I think. As a captain. As a captain, yeah. He captained in South Africa there, didn't he, for the tests and then decided to oh, step down. Yeah, but it sorry. was Kale Rahul yeah. stepped in, didn't he, for one of the test matches, which is Last why... test win, I'd say. Yeah, like last yeah. test series win, well, if you series want to win, say. Are we calling it if a series win? If you want win. to consider it a four-match series. Should we get on the Wikipedia page and, and click edit and see if we can <laughs> change it to a test series win? We'll, we'll have a go at that. Anyway, I'm, I'm off to watch... Uh, Watch that series down under. You got me thinking now. I, I want to go and watch the Gabba Test highlights on YouTube now. So I'm going to go and do that. Remember, you can catch us on YouTube uh, as well. If you're not watching on YouTube right now, if you're listening to the uh, audio feed, if you are watching on YouTube, you can listen to us on the move via your usual podcast producer. It's India on 99.94. I'm Nikesh Raghani. This is Sarah Waris. Thank you very much for listening and do join us again next time. Thanks for listening to India on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from where you get your apps usually. And you can follow us personally. I'm uh, at Nikesh Raghani on Twitter and on Instagram. And Sarah is at swaris16 on Twitter, where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. 
Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.